Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. So pleased that you have chosen to take this time uh, to join me as we continue on this discipleship adventure together. So what is this podcast? This podcast is about trying to take big ideas, big, complex sometimes ideas, uh, ideas that often in the church have got big words that are really hard to understand and try and make them as simple and as practical and as helpful as possible. This podcast is a discipleship podcast. It's about trying to learn and reflect on how we walk in the way of Jesus, how we do the stuff that Jesus did, behave in the way that Jesus behaved. Uh, living it out in our Monday through Saturday. So that's what we're going to continue to do today. Now, last week we had an episode on the topic of God's wrath. W-R-A-T-H, God's wrath. Very often people say to me, you know, why is God just so angry? Why is he so angry? You know, you'd say God is love, but it seems to me there's a lot of anger there. And what we were looking at in last week's episode, what is God's wrath? And we concluded that God's wrath is God's response to injustice. And it's God's response out of love, not out of hate. Yeah. Anger can be fueled because you love something so much, you want to protect it. Or anger can be fueled from hate. And we we're talking about God's wrath is fueled by his love. And it's because of the injustice that he sees that he responds in wrath. Now I got to the end of that episode and I was like, oh, there's just still so much more to say on this. So what I'm going to do in today's episode, I'm, we're going to talk a, just a tad more about God's wrath, just a tad more. And we're going to, we're going to continue that to talk about God's salvation, God's salvation, to understand uh, what it means to be saved. What are we saved from? What are we saved by? And what is it we saved for? All of this comes under an umbrella of something called the doctrine of salvation. Now, there we go. Big word. Alarm bell ringing. Whoa, 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 Chris. What? You've just said the word doctrine of salvation. What? What's a doctrine? Uh, let me just try and explain. A doctrine is a way of thinking or understanding something. A doctrine is a belief or a structure of beliefs that we kind of adhere to. And what a doctrine does is it, it helps us create a safe place to explore that particular idea. Let me explain it a bit like a field, okay? So if we want to explore the field of salvation, that field has fence posts going all the way around it. And you know that those fence posts there are to keep you in the field so that you're in a safe place. Doctrines are like the fence posts that go around our belief system that help us stay in a safe place. If you drift outside of those doctrine lines, you move into something called heresy, incorrect thinking. And we have these doctrines within the church, doctrine of the resurrection, doctrine of the incarnation, that's, that's God in flesh. And today we're going to be looking at the doctrine of salvation. Uh, what does it mean to be saved? What are we saved from? What are we saved by? And what are we saved 
4. So we're going to exploring the doctrine of salvation. A doctrine is a way of thinking or understanding something. It's like a framework that helps us hold together everything that we believe about that particular topic. That's what today's episode is all about. So friends, I pray that you find this really inspiring and helpful, but actually by the end, I'm like, I hope you go, yes, actually that helps me live my Monday through Saturday better because I get what I'm actually about. Friends, if you find this podcast remotely helpful, please do give it a like, please do give it a share. Tell people on Facebook that you've been listening to it. Podcasts like this only get shared by word of mouth. People don't stumble across them very often. It's through word of mouth. Please let others know about it. The second thing is, if you find this remotely helpful, one of the ways that you can support the podcast is buying us a coffee. So I'm sat here right now with my cup of coffee that I have bought with the money that some of you guys have supported the podcast with. It's just one of the ways that you can support the podcast. There's also hidden costs in podcasting, which we cover. And the one thing that you get to cover is a price of coffee. Uh, so if you'd like to do that, then there's a link in the show notes where you can support us by buying us a coffee. But that's enough done. Let's just jump in. Let's get talking about the doctrine of salvation. So here we go. The doctrine of salvation. I'm going to break it up to talk about three areas. The area of what we are saved from, the area of what we are saved by, and the area of what we're saved for. And it's the save for uh, that I think is really going to be about what your Monday through Saturday is about. So let's jump in. Let's talk about what we are saved from. This is really what we were exploring in last week's episode, uh, which is saved from God's wrath, saved from our sinfulness. So in Christianity, salvation, which can also be known as a de- deliverance or redemption, uh, is the saving of human beings from sin and its consequences, its knock-on effect because of sin, which is which includes death and our separation from God. So we are saved from our sinful nature and we are saved from uh, God's response to our sinful nature. Salvation is being saved from God's wrath and Uh, saved from our own sinful brokenness and we talked about in the last uh, last episode that God's wrath this thing that we're saved from wrath is God's justice and his love justice and love God's wrath is not his injustice towards us his punishment with no justification and God's wrath isn't God's anger But actually, God's wrath is God's justice and his love together. Romans 1, 18, I'm reading it from the NIV, says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and wickedness of of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness so where we have the injustice in the world where people are wicked that wicked uh, people take from others and steal from others uh decisions that we make that are damaging towards our relationship towards god all of that uh, the response of god towards it is his wrath his 
anger towards injustice. Wherever we behave in unjustly towards someone or something or a system or a power, the response of God is anger because he does not want injustice in creation. And we do struggle with the word wrath, which is one of the things we talked about in the last episode. We struggle with the word wrath because we're like, well, what does that mean? Does it, does it just mean that God is angry towards us? God is not angry towards people. God is not angry towards flesh uh, and blood and bone. God is not angry towards you in terms of your being. God's anger is turned towards injustice. It's it's all the things that we do with our flesh to damage the created order. That's what God is angry towards. God is not angry at humanity. God is not angry at people. God is not angry at us. He loves us. He's angry towards the things that we do, the practices that we do that damage our relationship with him, our relationship with the planet, and the relationship with one another. So God's wrath is not a reckless rage. It is not an uncontrollable anger. It is not a senseless fury or an unjust vengeance. The wrath of God is a precise and controlled response towards the belittling of his holiness. So God's wrath is, I love that idea, of it's a precise and controlled response to the belittling of his goodness, his holiness, and his love. The wrath of God is very precise what it's towards. God's wrath is not just out there against everything. So sometimes we do have this idea that God is angry, he's filled full of wrath. And on the day of judgment, we will we will see his wrath. God's wrath is very precise. And it's towards anything that is unjust. It's not towards people per se. It's towards all the actions of which we have brought into the world. Divine wrath is to be regarded as a natural expression of the divine nature, uh, which is total holiness. God is totally holy, totally loving and totally good. And his wrath, his anger, is a natural expression towards anything uh, that is not holy, that is not good, and that is not life-giving. So God's wrath turns towards our sinful nature. God's wrath is the just and measured response of his holiness towards evil. And I'm being really careful with my words here. So God's wrath is, is just and measured God's wrath, wrath is precise and controlled. Uh, God's wrath is not a senseless fury. It's a controlled anger. And his love is, is, is wrath is not vengeance. Uh, his wrath is a precise, almost bullet towards injustice. It's, it's precise towards what it is against. And I think that's really important for those of us that are scared of God's wrath. And we're scared of this idea of God's justice and scared of judgment. Uh, God's ju- judgment and his, and his wrath is precise with what it's towards. As much as the Bible talks about God's wrath, it also talks about God's love. And these two things go together. Uh, so we are saved from 
uh, an expression of God's love, love and an expression of his heart towards injustice. And we call that his wrath. So we're saved from the wrath of God. Sometimes we think, well, we are saved from God himself. And that's no, God is a God of love. We're not saved from a, an angry God. Uh, salvation is not being saved by an ang- from an angry God. Uh, we are saved from the anger towards injustice that we bring into the world. And I think that's really, really important. I hope that kind of helps some of us understand. I'm just going to repeat one of the quotes that I used a minute ago because I think it's really, really good and clear. God's wrath is not a reckless rage, an uncontrollable anger, a senseless fury, or an unjust vengeance. The wrath of God is a precise and controlled response to the belittling of his holiness. God's wrath is the just and measured response of his holiness towards evil and in and injustice. So we are saved from his wrath because of our sinful nature. We're sinners. We do and say and act in ways that damage our relationship between us and God, us and each other and us and creation. And that's what we are saved from. So that's what we say from what we saved by. We are saved by God's grace. We are saved by God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God and not by works so that you do not, so that no one can boast. This Ephesians 2 passage 8 and 9 is, it's like uh, a packed nut it's packed full of beautiful theology, tightly packed in, uh, that it's good just to open up and look at. It is by grace that we are saved through our faith in Jesus. So through our faith, we are saved by his grace. Um, it's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God and it's the love of God. We talked about we are saved from God's anger and the thing that saves us from his anger is his response of grace. Grace, what's the mechanism behind that? The mechanism behind that is his love, his furious love for us. And his grace is that moment of mercy and forgiveness where God uh, saves us from ourselves. So it is by grace that we are saved, not through works, not because you've strived, not because you've you've been good or because you've worn the right clothing or read the right Bible or gone to the right church or prayed enough times that you've earned it. It's by his grace that we are saved through our faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. This is not from yourselves. In other words, there is nothing that you can do that will save yourself. There's no amount of striving or trying harder or trying to be better that will save you. We are saved by what he, uh, what he has done for us and we're saved almost by his character and nature, the love that he has for us. That, that's what saves us. So it's by grace that we are saved through our faith in Jesus. This is not from yourselves. You, you, you don't do this yourself. This is a gift of God. God's grace 
is a gift towards you and I, fueled by his love. And it then says, this is not because of works, not because you've strived, not because you've worked hard at it. Um, and the reason why it's not because of works, in verse 9 it says this, so that no one can boast. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his grace. It's all about his mercy. It's all about his love. It's got nothing to do with how good you are. It's no. It's got nothing to do with how great you are or how brilliant you are or how smart you are or how beautiful you are. It's all down to him. It doesn't matter how hard you try or how hard you try to be more religious and better. It's got nothing to do with that. We are saved by God's grace and love towards us so scripture god's word says that we are saved by grace through faith in jesus christ and we're not saved by our own efforts or our own works so we are saved from our own sinfulness and god's wrath we are saved by god's grace and love and thirdly we are saved but what for What's the purpose of salvation? Is the purpose of salvation so that we might get to heaven? Is the purpose of salvation that we might be able to therefore access eternity? Because that's often what people believe it to be. And I would argue that if you start reading the Bible from Genesis chapter 3, humanity is sinful and we need saving. And therefore Jesus comes to save us uh, so that we can access heaven. But actually, if you read the Bible from Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 tells us we're created in the image of God. Then in Genesis chapter 2, we are told that we're placed in the garden to tend, dress and care for creation. We're to be co-partners with God. Genesis 3 tells us then that we fall short. My understanding of the gospel is this. You and I were created in the image of God to partner with God, to be tenders and carers and dressers of creation. But we fell short. We sinned. And therefore, when Jesus dies to save us on the cross, he doesn't die to save us just so that we will be sinless. He dies to save us so it would bring us back to our original programming. The original programming of being created in the image of God, to be partners with God, to be co-creators, tenders and dressers of creation. So I love this phrase. God didn't die just to save you from something. He died to save you for something. There was a purpose behind God saving you. And this is the key thing for me about the doctrine of salvation. In the doctrine of salvation, we do not believe that Jesus died just to save you so you might get to heaven. We believe that Jesus died to save you, to bring you back into a right relationship with God so that you may live out the original programming, the original code, the original plan to be a partner with God. So what are we saved for? We are saved for partnership with God. Saved for partnership with God. God wants us to be co-conspirators with him, co-partners with him, co-lovers with him, co-makers with him, co-redeemers with him. He, he created us so that we may be mini versions of him on the planet, living out the gospel, the fullness of life, life to the full. He died to save us so that we may be set free to be all that we were created to be. So there are three things I think God saved us for. I'm going to use the word sanctification. We are saved for good works and we are saved for glorification. 
sanctification. Unfortunately, in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, okay, we have become dehumanized. What it means to be fully human, what it means to be fully human, looking like Jesus, created in his image. Our sinfulness has distorted that beautiful image of God in us. And we've almost become dehumanized. We're less human than we are meant to be. To be human means to be more than we are right now. What we are right now is dehumanized. We've we've lost what it fully means to be human. Our image is no longer defined and created by him, the creator. Our image is now being defined by whatever we want to de define it by. And that has dehumanized us. We're not fully human. We're not all that God created us to be. And when Jesus dies for us on the cross, what he's doing, he, he's doing that to sanctify us uh, and what that means is he wants it's there to set us free to cleanse us and correct us so that we may be rehumanized so to be a human in partnership with god was to walk with him in the cool of the day to be a co-partner with him to dress and tend and care creation that's what it meant to be fully human in relationship with god with the image of god in us our sinfulness has essentially stolen from us uh what it fully means to be human in the image of god that image of god has been stolen from us in, in our sinfulness and this partnership with god this co-conspirator this co-laborer with god uh, working with God in his vineyard that's been stolen for us we're not doing that anymore we're no longer working for God we're working for ourselves and we're working for big biz big business we're working for human bosses we're no longer working for the one that designed us and sanctification this thing that happens on the cross is about rehumanizing us to make us fully human again so that we look more and more and more and more like Jesus so we are saved for a partnership with God and he does that through sanctification. This process of being put back and put right with God and becoming fully human again. So we're saved for God's partnership. We're saved through this, this process of sanctification on the cross, forgiveness on the cross. Um, we are saved for good works. Now, we are not saved by good works but we are saved for good works we god has saved us so that we may be co-partners with him to do his work his work of tending dressing and caring the whole of creation god wants us to be his hands and feet he wants us to be his mouthpiece uh doing the stuff that god wants to do in the world with him as one of his tools one of the ways that god interrupts the world and recreates the world and resurrects the world so we are saved for good works but we're not saved by good works and then the other thing uh we are saved for glorification i'm just going to read to us from romans 8 29 to 30 paul in the book of romans talks a lot about the doctrine of salvation never uses that phrase uh, but he's talking about what we believe is happening in salvation and he says this for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son 
that's what I was talking about about being fully human uh, to be rehumanized uh, God has a plan to rehumanize us in his the image of his son he keeps going on to say that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in other words when God is reforming us to be fully human he's doing so that we might be the first fruits of many upon many upon many upon many upon many who too will be made fully human again and then it says and those he predestined those that he already knew were going to say yes to him I don't think this idea some people think the idea of predestining is that God has specifically chosen some people and not chosen others I'm not sure that's fully right I think because God is out of time. God already knows who's going to say yes to him and who's going to say no to him. And therefore, in that, it's predestined because he already knows. Not because he's ordained it or commanded it, because actually he's just, he knows because he's out of time. And those he predestined, he also called. And those that he called, he also justified. And those that he justified, he also glorified. So Paul talks about what happens on the cross, this forgiveness and this salvation. It's something that is going to glorify us and justify us. Justification uh, is, is another almost idea of salvation, uh, being justified and, and corrected by Jesus. And that, that all happens so that we may be glorified. Now, is being glorified, does, does that mean that we are now being lifted up into the heavenly realms as some perfect example. Uh, no. Glorification is about being com a totally complete, totally um, restored, totally rehumanized. So when Jesus dies for us on the cross, he does so that we might be co-partners with him, that we may be sanctified, in other words, rehumanized, that we may be partners with him in doing good works and that we may be glorified totally complete, complete and whole and restored as we were meant to be. So when Jesus dies for us, he doesn't die just so that we might be forgiven, but that we may also be transformed and glorified, transformed. God doesn't die to save you so that you may be the same die so you might be glorified and transformed and made complete and one of the things i would say is that salvation this this idea or this this doctrine of salvation is only the beginning of god's story with us it's not the end god saves so we might do life together today with him and i think that's really important salvation is only the beginning it's a life journey of glorification it's a life journey of sanctification these are huge words sanctification becoming human again glorification being totally complete again jesus is on a lifelong adventure with us but he saved us so that this process is happening in us today and that we are becoming more and more and more and more and more uh, like what he wants us to look like I want to just go back for a moment and land with this. The purpose isn't just salvation from our sin, but saved to be people 
of salvation. Because Jesus has saved you, because he has transformed you, because he is at work in you, he has done all of this so that we may become co-conspirators with him again, co-partners in his resurrection work. So we are saved to be people of salvation. We are saved so that Monday through Saturday, not just on a Sunday, we may be people who practice the resurrection, that we might be people who practice his salvation and transformation in the world, that we might be people who beckon and bring heaven to earth which means in the classroom being people who bring about God's heavenly realms to earth when you stood over the water butt or the photocopier at work uh, if you're at the bus stop if you're an online zoom meeting your role now is a co-conspirator with him to bring peace and love and hope and mercy and justice and compassion into the world you are now a doorway of resurrection you're a doorway of salvation a doorway of hope a window which his light shines into a dark world through with cracked pots that shine light into the world and that's what we are saved for we are saved to be a co-partner with God in his work that we may live and breathe and act the good news wherever we are with whoever we are with that in a dark world we are shining that light and that's what we are saved for we are saved for the purposes of being his doorway his window his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece in the world. We are the cracked pots that his light now shines into the world through. And that's what we are saved for. We are not saved to get a golden ticket to get to heaven one day. We are saved so that we may be people of his resurrection and people of his salvation. Monday through Sunday, every day with everyone that we meet. That's what we are saved for. So the challenge for us as we head into a new week is to say, how am I going to be someone that shines the light, who is his resurrection, who is his hope, his mercy? What's the fresh word that I'm going to speak over somebody? What's the compassionate thing that I can do in every situation? How do I bring his hope, his love, his mercy and his grace into each person's life that I meet this week and that's what salvation is for friends we are saved for that and I think that is flipping exciting we're not saved to be more religious we're not saved that one day we might go to a big heavenly party although those things are true we are saved that we may be a route a pathway for the mercy and compassion and grace and salvation of God, the good news can leak into this world and transform this world and make it more like heaven on earth. And that's what you and I are saved for. And I hope at this point you're sat there going, yes and amen. That's what I want to be about. That's what I want to be about. Friends, I hope you find that inspiring and hopeful and encouraging. Until next time, have a fantastic week. And don't forget, you are a pathway, a window, a door, a crack of which the kingdom of God is leaking through into a very dark world that needs all the hope it can get. So friends, until next time, grace and peace. Have a brilliant week. I'll catch up with you soon.